He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Tightly contained laboratories. Intensive research. It takes a good number of years, minimum five years. Plants gone rogue. It smothers plants, it can smother forest remnants. Insects with weapons. Under a microscope, it does look like a soul. Hence the name of so fly. And a fly that's not even a fly? It is actually a wasp. I don't know when you want to add that information. <laughs> but they are mostly closely related to wasps than actual flies. Today, we delve into the world of biocontrol agents. Kia ora, nau mai haramai ki te Hello and welcome to Our Changing World, ko Clark and Cannon tēnei. So this facility was purposely built to contain invertebrates that have a potential use for biological control for weeds. I'm at the Manaki Fenua Lanke Research Grounds in Lincoln, outside an unassuming large grey building, noticeable only for its pink door with a large Hascam sign on it. But this is where invertebrate biocontrol agents are housed and put through their paces to check if they're up for the task. With me is Arnaud Cartier, the containment facility manager. So this building is pretty much a state of the art. It has been built in the way that we can change the temperature, change the day length. If we want to change from hemisphere, we could even change all those conditions to match precisely what conditions we would like to have in any of these rooms. So it could be a Spanish summer in one room and in in winter just next door. We move from outside through a short corridor into a lab space. This area is for monitoring research on insects or mites that have already been released into the environment. Those that haven't yet been approved for release are kept deeper inside the facility, behind many more locked doors. But let's back up for a second. What is a biocontrol agent and why do we need them? Classical weed biological control is the use of natural enemies, uh, mites, insects and pathogens, plant pathogens, to control an invasive weed in its introduced range. That's Dr. Angela Bounds, a senior researcher in weed biocontrol here at Manaki Venua. Now, biocontrol is the use of living organisms to control pest populations of anything. But today, we are focusing on those used in Aotearoa to battle weeds. New Zealand has hundreds of species that are already problem weeds and thousands of species that are probably on their way to become weeds. Dr. Ronnie Honteman is also a senior researcher in weed biocontrol. We are very good these days at stopping new weeds coming through the borders, so new species are not so much of an issue, but our future weeds are actually already here in the country and have been for many decades. So the pool of plants that we want to work on or need to work on is huge. Some of these plants are still in their early days of their distribution and other weeds are already widespread. None of the weeds in New Zealand has reached its full spread, so they can all get worse than what they are. For context, when Ronnie says our next weeds are already here, Aotearoa New Zealand is home to around 2,300 native plants. But humans have introduced between 25,000 to 30,000 plants from overseas. 
a fraction of these came accidentally with the wrong seeds being places they shouldn't. Maybe mixed up in a seed import, overlooked seed passengers in hiking boots or socks, or floating in ballast water of a ship. Or maybe even misidentified seedlings growing with another imported plant. But for the majority of them... Most of our plants that are currently weeds were introduced on purpose, either as um, agricultural or horticultural plants, as medicinal plants, as other kind of food plants. Garden plants are probably some of our worst weeds. Now, not every exotic plant that's made its way here is a weed. Some behave nicely and stay within garden or pasture or house confines. But it's estimated that there are about 2,000 plants that have gone rogue. Of course, the idea of a weed is a human concept. Something growing where we don't want it to be, something causing harm to productive crops or to native plants. And when it comes to conservation, they sure can be troublesome. I come across this all the time when I'm out talking to folks. Remember the mile a minute taking over Maria Island and the noises? And it has white flowers and it has pink flowers, but whichever colour, it's a complete mongrel. And the weeds smothering a restored city gully in Kirikiriroa. So we're up on a bank removing elephant ear and trying to stand here. You've got a yeah. bag full. And the introduced plant dominating Tongariro National Park. Also lots and lots of heather, the invasive shrub that's so common all over the landscape. People are out there fighting the good fight with herbicides, machinery and even good old-fashioned elbow grease. But these methods are expensive, time-consuming and not effective in the long term. So biocontrol has some advantages, says Angela. The initial investment in going through the process of biocontrol is quite expensive. But after that, once the agents are established, they are self-sustaining, they spread on their own, they breed on their own and very little human input is required. So what are the characteristics of the perfect agent? Damaged plants, of course, but what else? So our dream biological control agent must be a good traveller. They would spread themselves um, throughout the distribution range of an invasive plant. Get real busy. They would build up numbers really quickly, so they would have a good population growth rate. Stay under the radar. So biocontrol agents that aren't going to accumulate predators or parasitoids in their introduced range. And be extremely fussy. The most important thing is they need to be host-specific. So they need to only attack the target weed. This is key. Because if I'm saying bringing in species for a biological control and you're picturing stoats and weasels and how badly wrong that all went, well, this is not the same. So plants produce chemicals to defend themselves. Otherwise, they would just be eaten by anything and everything. And the insects that we work on have co-evolved with them to overcome those defensive chemicals and to be in tune with the plant. And they use that host plant or group of closely related um, host plants to, to feed and develop and sustain themselves. Whereas if you think of the example of stoats or cane toads, they are generalists. They will feed on anything and everything. They're opportunists. So the organisms that we're working with are very different. All right, so let's have a go and work in our PC2 area. Facility manager Arnaud Cartier takes me deeper into the building. 
this is what we would call an airlock. So it is a transitional area where we can make sure that there is no insect escaping from the containment area to the area we are standing just before. And any insect that may be present here would go and be caught on that yellow sticky trap or that light trap because insects do like lights. I wouldn't recommend to put your finger on that because it's very, very sticky. I managed to restrain myself long enough from touching the sticky stuff for the airlock to do its thing and we step through into a white clean corridor. So right now we are finally standing in the containment area. You've seen just before that we had to go through several doors and that is another security layer that we have to make sure that it is very unlikely that anything can escape from this area. These insects are only getting out if you're bringing them out on purpose. On purpose, yes. So we would only do that after we have the approval from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Authority, but also we'll need the approval from MPI to show that our insects, our invertebrates in our case, are disease-free and have been correctly identified as the species that we claim to have imported. So is there anything in this containment area at the moment? Yes, we are actually quite busy in this area. Now that we can finally travel all around the world, we've been very busy importing new agents. Some of them were actually coming from Chile. And this agent is called the Chilean flame creeper leaf beetle. So these beetles are fairly small. They are feeding on the leaf material, but mostly the larvae are the most damaging stage of this insect. And they would even strip down entire vines of Chilean flame creeper if they build up large numbers on these plants. There are just a few leaves of the plants in these boxes, so it looks quite innocuous. But it can really take over, says Ronnie. Chilean flame creeper is a climber. It's closely related to nasturtium that a lot of people are familiar with, but it's got no close relatives in the native flora and in the economically important flora. It is mainly a problem in southern areas, Southland, Otago and Canterbury as well, but not so much in the North Island. And it smothers plants, it can smother forest remnants. So it is a big problem for native areas. It is also a problem for plantings or forest remnants on farmland. And this potential agent was actually a lucky find. It, this beetle was uh, discovered in uh, Serendipity. Uh, our crew was actually looking for agents for another weed in Chile when they uh, came across this beetle on Chilean flame creeper in the native range. Chilean flame creeper in Chile is almost a rare plant. It's difficult to find. And these beetles seem to be feeding ferociously on it. And this bumped up Chilean flame creeper the, up the list of priority weeds, and we started studying this beetle. So this Chilean beetle will have spent the last while in the containment facility being offered different plants to see just how fussy it is. Even though Aotearoa has no close relatives to the Chilean flame creeper, they still tested over 20 plant species. At the moment, they're analysing results. Once that's completed... 
if the Beatlist are looking like a good candidate, they'll put forward an application to the EPA for permission to release it. Thanks to Arnaud Cartier, Dr. Angela Bounds, and Dr. Ronnie Honteman of Manaki Fenua Landcare Research. This episode was produced by me, Clark and Cannon, with help from Liz Garten and Ellen Rikers, and it was engineered by Phil Bench. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Kia pai, to wiki.